Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Let me say how good it is to see all of you here. Amen. Wednesday night is a wonderful time to come in and uh, under a little more relaxed circumstances, look into the Word of God, that Word that can make such a difference in all of our lives. Amen. I'm glad that I have the Word of God. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that Word never ceases to amaze me. Never ceases to amaze me. That it is such has such proficiency at speaking to me at whatever turn of life I find myself. God's Word can speak so clearly to me. And I am thankful for that tonight. Glad that you're here. I wish I had a big cup of Bluebell ice cream to give each one of you before you left here tonight. Amen. That was a thought this afternoon, but I didn't make my thought into reality. Maybe next week. If you have your Bibles and would turn with me open to the book of Colossians, and you can remain seated if you... Uh, I know you've been standing, but Colossians chapter 1, and I am going to read verse 27, 28, and 29. I encourage you to bring somebody with you this weekend. I really feel like the Lord is going to meet with us uh, Sunday in a very special way, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Summertime is upon us. I think school is out mostly for everybody, maybe at least by the end of the week. Uh, Most of our kids will be out of school, so there's no reason for us not to uh, become more involved in what's going on around the church. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love that verse. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. I love the words, the choice of words that the Apostle Paul used to express the thought of God and what God was endeavoring to do for every man. Riches and glory to the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Amen. Whom we preach, warning every man, And teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, 
striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I love the Apostle Paul. I love his description of the gospel. I love to hear of him speak of the grace of God. I love to read his explanation of salvation. But what really strikes my heart tonight is Paul's vision of perfection. He was a perfectionist to say the least. And I see nothing about his experience with God that was half-hearted. Nothing about his experience with God that was only partial. But he talks about God working in him mightily. Everybody say mightily. He was an uncompromising idealist, you could say, Because in our scripture, he wanted to see all of his converts brought to perfection. All of them. Not a few of them, not some of them, not a selected group of them, but all of them. And Paul had a wide variety of converts. He had the aristocrat and the poor. He had the educated and the unlearned. He had the Greek and the Jew. He had Gentile and barbarian, Scythian and so forth. But it didn't matter their background or their pedigree. It didn't matter what their nationality was. There was one desire that Paul had for all of his converts and that was that they all... Everybody say all, all, everybody, not just a select few, but all of them would be brought to perfection. Not that God would just begin a work in them, but that he would be able to perfect it or bring it to conclusion. That God would bring to fruition and to the fullest degree every work of grace that was possible to be known by man. To enjoy all of the blessings of God and to enjoy them to their fullest degree. That was Paul's desire. His lofty and his uncompromising ambition is heard in our text. If you listen to the language of his letter, no one can read this text without being arrested by the thrice repeated phrase, every man. Say it with me. Every man. Warning every man. Warning every man. Not only warning every man, but Teaching every man. And that not only am I teaching every man, but that I might present every man perfect in Christ. I believe that Paul was a champion of those who are being cheated in life. I believe he was the champion of those who are being sold short 
and were not living to the full potential of their life. I believe that Paul was the champion of those who were being cheated out of the best, cheated out of the blessings of God by whatever means it was that they were being cheated. He was against that. He was adamantly against anything that would cause a man or a woman to fall short of the glory of God, that he was against anything that would keep a man from enjoying all of the blessings of God. Amen. And somebody said amen. Amen. There are many things that cheat people out of the goodness of God. There are many things that cheat people out of the blessings of the Lord. There are many that were being cheated in their day by the proud aristocratic spirit of that hour that excluded the common people from Christ or that would limit him to certain individuals. There were the thoughts that dominated the ancient world that only a select few could really know God. Now you might know about God, but only a select few could know God. And so Paul came to preach that Christ did not come to just the favored few. Whether it was the Jewish pride that excluded the Gentiles or it was the Greek pride that despised all kind of humanity and thought that they were above. Paul realized that there were a lot of attitudes and there were a lot of spirits that were rampant in the world, that were cheating people out of the blessings of God. And that were cheating them from enjoying the goodness of God and the mercies of God and living for God at their full potential. And so Paul was a champion. He was a champion of those who were being cheated in life, whatever it was that was cheating them. Now maybe you and I are not being cheated by an aristocratic spirit tonight. Maybe you and I are not being cheated by being despised because of our race. But there are people that are being cheated tonight by thinking that they can live half-heartedly for God and still enjoy the full blessing of God. There are people that think they can come and as long as they sit on a church pew and they occupy the space of a building that they are entitled to the full blessings of God. And Paul said, oh, my friend, you are mistaken. You are being cheated if you think you can live half-hearted for God and still enjoy the full blessings of the Lord. There's a lot of people that don't understand that simple principle tonight. They don't understand why their living on the edge or the peripheral does not entitle them to the fullness of God's blessing. But Paul proclaimed a principle which was the very essence of the gospel. And it was Christ for every man. Not only Christ for every man, but the whole of Christ Everything there was about him, everything that he represented, everything he had accomplished, everything he had won, everything he had purchased, everything he had done for man, 
He was the champion of every man knowing Christ and every man knowing everything that you could know about Christ and that every man could be perfected in Christ. Every man. Good men and bad men. Educated men and uneducated men. Wealthy men and unwealthy men. Men who were raised in the church and those that came from the back alleys of the city. He said, I don't care where you came from. I want every man to know him in the fullness of his blessing. And I want every man to enjoy him to the fullest measure they can enjoy him. Amen. He came against this exclusiveness of any kind. He was against arrogance. He came against racial pride. Or if it wasn't racial pride, he came against the pride of face as well as race. He came against ignorance. He came against laziness. He came against lukewarmness. He came against half-heartedness. He came against any attitude that made you think that you could not enjoy all of the blessings and the goodness of the Lord. He was against whatever would limit the effect of the gospel in your life. And there were a lot of things that could limit the effect of the gospel. Christ is not exclusively yours or mine. Paul said he is every man's. Amen. He is every man. He is every person that comes through the doors. Sometimes we as a church get the feeling that we have a certain market cornered and God is obligated to bless us because of whatever it is that we think we possess. But I'm here to tell you what the Apostle Paul told them that he wanted every man, whether they deserved it or not, to enjoy the full blessings of God and to enjoy everything that God had done for man and to enjoy it to the fullest. And somebody said, Amen. Some of you looking at me right now wondering where you're going. Just hang on. I'm going to get there in a minute. Every man. Everybody say it again. Every man. Let me ask you a question tonight. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Don't tell me how much you love God and you turn your nose up against somebody sitting across the church from you. Don't tell me that you love God and then you walk right by and won't speak to somebody in the church because you don't like something about what they might have done or hadn't done. You need to understand tonight and we need to understand that Christ's arms are outstretched to all people. Everybody. Everybody. God brings His grace into the strangest places And he brings his grace to the strangest people. Amen. God's grace reaches to every class and every race. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to a select few. 
or to our buddies or to those that are of the same color skin that we are. No, he said go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Everybody said every creature. Not only was God for every man, but all of him was for every man. Listen to me right now. There are people that have been living for God a long time, some of them all of their lives, and they still are living below their privileges because they do not feel like they are qualified for something that God has or they don't merit something that God has. But Paul preached that every man is entitled to know the Lord and not only know Him, but know all of Him. To know everything about Him. To know all that He has done. All of the riches of Christ are yours tonight. Not whether you have the best education or whether you give the best offering or you have the best house to live in. But because you desire Him more than anything else in this world. The deep things of God are for every man. Every man. There is no inner circle of believers that has more than others. If they have more than others, it is because they desire more than others. But Paul said, I want every man to know Christ and I want every man to know all of Christ. Paul did not understand, not only that, but he did not understand the half-hearted Christian. And this is what I really want to preach about tonight. Paul did not understand those who lived at a lower level. He did not understand people that were satisfied with second best. Some may count 99% as a good percentage, but not the Apostle Paul. Some may be content with 99%, and I would tell most of you tonight that if we got 99% return on our money, we would all be smiling, but not Paul. Paul said, I'm not interested in 99%, I want 100%. You know, that's how we really ought to live for God. This 99% or this margining of God in our life or this idea that we can give Him this part of our life, but I'm not going to give Him this. Or Brother Hughes, I'm willing to do this, but don't ask me to do that. Away with that kind of thinking. My friend, tonight, the only way to really enjoy the full blessings of God is just say, God, I'm yours. Everything I am, everything I have, because I want all of you, I'm going to give you all of me. Amen. Paul was not content with 99. There are many of us that would be thrilled to know that 99% of what we sowed had come to fruition, but not Paul. Not Paul. Paul wanted it all. You know what? I'm kind of getting that feeling myself. I'm, I'm tired of living below that level of life that God said I could live. He was not one to be settled for secondary things. It was all for him. He said, I want every man to know this. 
I want every man to experience this. I want every man to be blessed. I want every man to be lifted up. I want every man. I want all the people. I'm not satisfied with just half of this congregation being saved or ready to meet God. I'm not happy tonight that 99% of us might go in the rapture. There's something in my heart that said, I want every man. I want every person. And I'm not going to be satisfied until I know that every man has enjoyed that same thing that I am enjoying tonight. You know what I'm sick of? And I think Paul was sick of it too. He would not settle for sloppy agape. Sloppy agape. Well, you know, God understands and God knows. You know what I like about Sister Tally's generation, and I mentioned it at the funeral today, They were a generation of people that wanted you to preach to them. They didn't want you to tickle their ear. They didn't want you to coddle them. They didn't want you to pander to their wants or their dislikes. They just wanted you to preach the word of God. And if it was hard or straight or if it went against the grain, they didn't say, oh, God, brother, you don't preach like that. They said, come on, preacher, tell me more. And then they would do the best they could to line themselves up with that word. That's the way you live for God. You don't live for God bargaining with God and saying, okay, God, I don't mind doing this, but I can't see that. You just say, God, I'm yours 100%. Sin. You got it all. I'm going to do anything. I'll do every, I'll give you everything that I am. That's what Paul said I am for. He said I am against this sloppy agape, this idea that everybody and all, you know what? It's not true, folks. Everybody's not going to be saved. Now, I know that's counter to our culture, and that's not conventional wisdom. Because you're not supposed to tell anybody that they might not be saved. But that's in the book. Not everybody's going to be saved. Now, it's not because they can't be saved, but it's because they choose not to be saved. But you know what Paul was against? And I'm against tonight. I am against mediocrity. How easy it is for us to settle for mediocrity. How easy it is for us to settle for 99 out of 100. You say, Brother Hughes, that doesn't sound like mediocrity to me. It doesn't matter whether it's 99 out of 100 or 51 out of 100. He said, you know what? I want every man to know all. I want every man to experience all. I want every man to know God in the fullness. He was not satisfied with any kind of life that was settled for anything less than the very best. And there are too many people in our day that are too easily satisfied. But Paul wants everyone. Everybody say it again, everyone. He was not satisfied with partial results. What's wrong with us? There are those among us who will say, Well, Brother Hughes, I am a better man. I am a better man. I am a better woman. I'm not as bad as I used to be. If you only knew me then, Brother Hughes, 
And we use these as an excuse for our lack of growth and development rather than an inspiration to get us as far away from that old life as possible. Paul did not understand the man or the woman that would come to the altar and say they wanted God and then try to hold on to everything in the world that they could hold on to. Paul did not understand that and neither do I understand that. That we would come and say, God, I want everything that you've got, but I'm not willing to give you everything I've got. Or that we would come to God and then we would try to hold on to as much as we can and see if we can make it in. Paul said that's not the way to live. Amen. I don't want to be as close as I can be to what I was. I want to get as far away from that as I can get. I don't want to see how comfortable I can live and how easy I can get by with my life. I don't want to be as close to my old life as I can be. I want to get as far away from that as I possibly can. There are far too many people that are too comfortable living in the neighborhood of hell. Too many are content to live as close to that old life as they can without falling back into that trap. Paul said that's not the way to live. That's not the way to enjoy the blessings of God. Come on, give it your best. Sell out if you're not sold out. And if you are sold out, be thankful that you sold out because you made the best bargain and you made the best deal because when you give God all of you, He gives you all of Him. What a deal. You know where God had to reach to get you? You know what God had to get you out of? I know where God had to reach to get me. Why stay anywhere close to that place? There are those who think that if they just look like a godly person when they come to church, they can dress ungodly, they can act ungodly, and they can be ungodly elsewhere, and nobody is the wiser. Paul said, you're being cheated something's cheating you. you. You may not be cheated by the aristocratic mind of the Jew or the Greek thinking they're better, but you're being cheated by a philosophy that is of the opinion that it doesn't matter anymore. Paul said, oh, it does matter. Just give him all. He wanted the whole man. Everybody say the whole man. He only rejoiced at 100%. And that's what we ought to rejoice in, that we are giving 100%. He only was satisfied when all had been recovered. Amen. You ever look around your life and realize that there's some things missing that were there at one time that are not there any longer? Why don't you get up and go get it? Why don't you get up and go back and recapture and recover whatever it is that you've lost, a passion for souls or a love for God's people. You know, I hate to say it, but sometimes church people can be the most snooty people on the face of the earth. We get to acting like we have an exclusive market and God said, I want every man. And so somebody comes into our midst 
that a little different than we are or they don't smell quite like we smell or they, they don't hold their hands quite like we hold our hands and we look at them like, what in the world do you think you're doing? I'll tell you what they're doing. They're trying to reach for what Paul said every man could have, an experience with God and not just part of God, but everything that God has, all of God's blessings, all of the riches of God's grace, all of those things can be mine tonight. Amen. I used to think that because of certain men's stature and and all of that, that they could enjoy things in God that I could not enjoy. And you know what I found? That's not true. They might enjoy more in God than I do, but they only enjoy it more because they're reaching for more. If you're not satisfied with where you are with God, then start reaching for more. Start saying, God, I'm not satisfied with where I am and who I am. There's more for me and there's more of me that's not been developed or tapped into. How many people tonight are just satisfied getting by when God said you need to do more than just get by? I wonder if there's any of us here tonight that have settled down to a level of mediocrity. You know, I'm, I'm here. God bless you for being here. Brother Hughes, you ought to be happy that I'm here. You ought to shout that I'm here. You know what? I do rejoice that you're here. But listen, folks, there's a whole lot more than what we're reaching Amen. There's a whole lot that we haven't experienced yet. And we may look around and say, well, you know, we're comfortable. This is nice. It's, it's just, you know, this is my size. I hate that. I, I don't ever want to get to the place where I feel like this is my size. I want there to be something in me that's reaching for more because you can never exhaust the wealth of God and you can never exhaust the riches of God. We ought to be five times bigger than we are right now. And if we're not, it's only because we don't have a desire for that. And something needs to happen in all of us tonight that said, you know what, there's more out there. There's more for us to have. There's more God will to do for this church. There's more God wants to bring to this church and I want that more. Amen. Amen. I don't want to be satisfied. I don't want to just be happy with my four and no more. I don't want to get satisfied just coming to church with me and mine. There's more. Amen. Somebody say there's more. Say it with me. Every man. Warning every man. Teaching every man so that every man can be presented perfect before the Lord. I'm not satisfied with mediocrity or living at a level of mediocrity. He said, I want everything. And that's the way I've been feeling lately. I want everything. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of making excuses for myself all the time as to why I'm not doing more or I don't pray or I'm not walking closer to God. There's no reason why I can't. It's just I don't or I won't. You know why some people are having such a hard time right now? Is because they're trying to live too close. To, I'm not accusing anybody here. But the reason some people are having a hard time living for God is because they're living too close to the edge. 
I know you've heard the story, but there was a wealthy man who tried out some new chauffeurs, men that were going to drive him around, and he lived up on this high mountain, and it was a very treacherous road to get to where his house was. And, and so there were certain men that came in to inquire about the opening, and, and so he said, well, let's go on a test drive. And so the first guy got in the car, and he decided he was going to show the, 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 the man, he was going to show him his driving skills. And so he just laid the pedal to the metal and he got as close to the edge as he could get and he skirted corners and he squealed tires and got all the way to the bottom and he looked back with this grill smile. He was so proud of himself. He had, he, he had gone down just like a racetrack. And, and, and the, he said, well, what do you think about that? He said, well, I'll let you know. So he goes back up and this other guy gets in and he is the total opposite. He drives as far away from the edge as he can get. And he takes more time and he doesn't get down to the bottom at record time, but he gets down. And you know who got the job. God's not interested in how close I can get to the edge without falling off. God's interested in how close I want to walk with him. God's not interested in how much I can look like the world. God's interested in how much I can look like Him. He's not interested in how much I reflect my image, but how much I reflect His image. And some of us need to quit trying to show the Lord how close we can get and how we can live on the edge. We need to realize that's not what God's interested in. He's interested in me getting into a place where it's more about him than about me. Amen. A hundred percent. Say it with me. One hundred percent. I want you to think about this tonight. What would happen if we could get one hundred percent cooperation out of our church? What could this church do alone? I'm not just talking about in in the things that we think about, but in reaching our community, in growing and reaching those that are lost. If we gave 100%, why not reach for that? It's not impossible. All it takes is each one of us saying, I'm that one. Amen. I'm going to give God everything I can. I'm going to give Him 100%. I'm not looking for an easy way out. I'm not looking for a way to get by on less. I want to sell out. I want to follow him. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You just have to make up your mind. Amen. The best day of my life was the day that I said, Lord... I don't care what happens. I don't care what comes or goes. I'm going to live for you. Amen. Amen. It solved a lot of other problems in my life. It answered a lot of other cries that were coming to my life. I am going to live for God. Jack Hiles, who pastored large independent Baptist church in Chicago, Illinois, said at the young age of 21, pastoring a little church in Marshall, Texas, one night he went out in the woods and he went out 
to a favorite area, an old stump that had been left behind after they had cut some trees. That was his prayer closet. And we stayed there all night long in prayer. And he said, God, I don't know what the future holds for me. I don't know what all you're going to do for me or what all you're going to do with me. But he said, I need some things to live by. I need some principles to live by that will govern the rest of my life. That no matter where I go or what I do or what I achieve, these principles will be in effect. And he said in that all night prayer meeting, God gave him five things that he would live his life by. I heard him preach the message about those five things years ago. He said the interesting thing was that years later, when he was pastoring a church of 30,000, the largest independent Baptist church in America, they had had at times over 100,000 people in their congregation. At that time, he was connected with another organization And they started drifting away, becoming more and more liberal and moving away from the doctrines and and many of the essentials that the church had been founded on. He said as they began to move away, he realized he could not be a part of that. And it came to a convention and they were all meeting, hundreds and hundreds of ministers and laymen that were meeting in this convention. And they were discussing the future of their organization. Jack Hiles got up and walked out left behind a presidency and other things over principles because money was going toward certain things that were against what they stood for. And he said, I couldn't do it. And so he got a phone call from a very influential man in the organization. And he said, how could you do that? How how could you decide to do that? How, How could you get up and walk out? He said, it was very simple. He said back, and he said, I forgot how many years, when I was 21 years of age, in an all-night prayer meeting, I settled some issues in my life. And he said, when I settled those issues that night, I didn't have to worry about what my answer was going to be yesterday because I answered that question 21 years ago when I said, God, this is what I'm going to live by. This is how I'm going to live and this is what I'm going to do. We need that kind of living today. We need men and women who will stand up and say, you know what? I settled that a long time ago. We don't even have to argue about it. We don't have to discuss it anymore. We don't have to try to debate it or try to argue it or try to find a way to get around it. I settled it and I'm going to live by those principles. You can make decisions that will make decisions for you. You can settle some fundamental things. And when you settle those fundamental things... It'll settle a lot of secondary issues in your life. And when you get to that fork in the road and popularity is everywhere and you're getting pressure from this side and this side and all you're going to get all of this and all of this is going to be yours, you know that you cannot go that way because of something that was settled a long time ago. I I, I decided a long time ago I wasn't going to be the best preacher And I decided a long time ago I wasn't going to be the most popular. 
and I wasn't going to be the most eloquent, but I made a commitment to God that I would always preach the Word and I would not try to find a way to water it down or I would find a way to dilute it or I would find a way to make it more palatable. I would do my best to preach the Word of God and tonight, whether I'm a dinosaur or not, whether it's conventional wisdom or not, or whether I would be accepted in the 21st century, I don't care. I'm telling you that God's Word has been settled in my heart and I'm not going back on that Word. That's how we must live today, 100% giving Him everything we can. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.